Okay, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Today's share should be a Elanishal Chai Asatila Basra Gavil Princhas and for Tzivi Sonar Bas Rebbe and Kamil Shabin Raisin, Rafur Shlema for Domosha Ben Chava and Avram Zelim and Sipora and Eta Moshe Chaim Ben Esther. Okay, good morning, everyone. Greetings from New York City. Guys, appreciate Boca. The more I come here, the more you appreciate Boca. Okay. We are going to pick up from Yudbeis, Amadbeis. We are about 10 lines up from the end of the narrow lines. So we were left off last week discussing about the different uh, comments by Rabbi Barchinana. And so we're picking up where we left off. Amar Rabbi Barchinana, Saba Mishmei, Derav, Kola Osad Anyone who commits an Avera and feels guilty or embarrassed about it, all of his Averos are forgiven. HaKadosh Baruch Hu uh, wipes the slate clean. As it says in Yecheskel, in order that you remember and be ashamed, that you have no more excuses due to your embarrassment. When I forgive you, for all that you have done, Hashem Hashem here is speaking to all of Bnei Israel in the Sefer Yecheskel. He says he links the fact that you were embarrassed to my forgiving you, and so there we see that anyone who does an avera and has remorse and is embarrassed, he warrants Hashem's forgiveness. The Gemara says Dilmot Sibor Shiny. Maybe that is only because it's talking about the entire Bnei Yisrael, and therefore. Therefore, since the, the embarrassment is greater, uh, it warrants Hashem's forgiveness. The question of Desto says, actually, if someone does something on an individual level, if someone does an Avera and he's the only one that does it, you would think that the embarrassment is much more. When the entire B'nai Yisrael goes ahead and sins, then there's safety in numbers. So it's not as embarrassing. So Desto says, it's actually from whose perspective? When the individual does it, the individual's perspective, he's much more embarrassed because he looks around and no one else did committed the same Avera. He feels like uh, he's the, uh, the only one who did something wrong. It's much more embarrassing. But as far as engendering HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Rachmanos, getting Hashem to go and forgive us, if everyone sinned, Hashem is much more likely to forgive. So depending on whose perspective, we're talking about from the perspective of garnering Hashem's Rachamim, that's much greater if the entire nation does it. So the Gemara says, Dilmat Sibur Shiny. Maybe it only applies that we get Hashem's Rachamim when we're embarrassed when it's talking about it on the communal level, like Yecheska was. But how do I know that if an individual commits an Avera and that he feels embarrassed, that he will still be forgiven from Hashem? So the, the Gemara continues, Elamehacha, rather from here. Just as a background for this story, is Shmuel was the Navi, and um, <clears throat> he eventually tells Shaul that you're going to lose the, uh, the kingship. After two years of being king, eventually David Amalekh became king. And when, when Shaul was chasing David because he feared that David was going to take over the kingship, David ran away fearing for his life, and he happened upon the city called Nov. Nov was an ear Kohanim. It was an ear, a city full of Kohanim. And David Amalekh um, told them that he is on a special mission from Shaul, and he has to disguise himself, and they cannot share this information with anybody, that he's on a, he's on a secret mission from the Mossad. Now, obviously, Shaul did not send him. David was running away for his life and was afraid that if he told the city of Nov what really was going on, they would turn him into Shaul. 
they would turn him over to Shaul and Shaul would kill him or imprison him, whatever. So not knowing that David was lying, David told him he's on a secret mission, they can't tell anybody. They gave David food, they gave him water, and they also gave him the sword of Goliath, who he had killed earlier. They gave him Goliath's sword. And it happened to be that one of Shaul's trusted men's doeg saw this happen, went back and reported to Shaul that Nov was actually abetting a, a traitor, that they were helping David. Now, Nov, Ir Kohanim, all the Kohanim there did not know that David was lying to them. So they thought that they were actually helping Shaul because David said he's on a secret mission. Lo and behold, Shaul finds out that they helped David, not knowing that David lied to them. And he goes and he kills the entire city of the Kohanim. So Shaul Amelech kills all of the Kohanim, all of Nov, on reason of treason and being traitors. Although again, in their defense, they did not know that David was lying and they thought they were actually helping Shaul. So the Pasuk says later on, when Shaul was now uh, encircled by the Plishtim who were about to wage war, he beseeches Hashem from different, um, different methods to ask if he's going to win the war. He asks Hashem to, to help him win the war. And it says earlier on that he's tried to reach Hashem through Chalomos, through Neviah, even through the Urm Vetumim. The Urm Vetumim was a piece of parchment that was put in the Choshen, in the breastplate of the Kohen. It had all of the names of the Shvatim on there with stones. And when you would ask a question of the Urim Vitumim, certain letters would light up. We mentioned in the past that of all the Shvatim, there was a couple letters missing, including Tess, the letter Tess, so they had an extra Pasuk in there. Um, but whenever the Kohen would go ahead and want to ask the Kaddish Baruch Hu, he had sort of a direct line. He would ask the Urim Vitumim, which was this parchment which contained 12 stones. Each stone was one of the Shvatim and the Shvatim's name, and certain letters would light up. Now, still up to the Kohen to go ahead and decipher how to arrange the letters. If you remember, when Chana davened for a child and Eli saw her davening and her lips didn't move, he asked the Urim Vitumim and four letters came up. And it said Shikora, that she is drunk. But Elia Cohen, Elia Cohen misinterpreted it. It really said Kishera, Kaf Shin Reshe, not Shin Kaf Reshe, that she was a Kasher, not a Shikor. She was not drunk when she was davening without her lips moving. In fact, we learned how to daven Tefillah Belachash from Chana, from that episode. That's why when we daven Shimon we daven silently. In any event, that was the Umr Vitumim. And earlier it says that when Shaul asked, do, um, I tried to ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu the Tumim if he's going to win the war against the Plishtim. He got no response. So now um, Shaul's in trouble. So he goes to a ghost uh, seeker to go ahead and bring up the ghost of Shmuel Hanovi who had already died. And that's, this is that Pasuk. So by Yomer Shmuel HaShol, Shmuel says to Shaul, the ghost of Shmuel, the ghost of the Neshama of Shmuel comes to Shaul after he is summoned up by this uh, ghost seeker. Why did you go ahead and anger me, disturb me? To bring me up from my kever. For Yom Shaul. Shaul says to him, I am very troubled. The Plishtim are encircling me. They're ready to wage war. Hashem has removed himself completely from me. He did not answer me. Even through the Nevi'im, I tried to solicit a conversation with Kadosh Baruch Hu. Even with dreams. And I called you, I summoned your ghost up, your nesham up, to go ahead and see what I should do. However, he did not mention 
that he tried to reach Hashem through the Urim Betumim, which, which he does try a few psukim earlier. The Navi in Shmuel Aleph tells us that he tried to reach Hashem through the Urim Betumim, but he does not mention it here. And why doesn't he mention it here? Because he was embarrassed. The reason the Urim Betumim, which was unique to the Kohen, did not respond to him, because earlier, as we mentioned, Shola killed out the entire city of Nov, which was all the Kohanim, and therefore he was not Zochet to go ahead and to get the benefit of that, of that, um, of that uh, special connection with the uh, special answer from the Urim Vitumim. So the Gemara says, okay, so now we understand that he was embarrassed. The reason why he didn't mention to Shmuel about the Urim Vitumim, he was embarrassed to mention to Shmuel that he erred and he killed an entire city uh, without, ju- without uh, justification. So the Gemara says, how do we know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu forgave him? Remember, all this was based on the Rabbi Chinana Saba's statement that anyone who does an Aveira and feels guilty or embarrassed eventually will be uh, forgiven from Hashem. So the fact that Shmuel, uh, that Shaul did not mention the to him, it was because he was embarrassed. He had regret and remorse that he killed Er Kohanim. Gemara says, How do we know that he was given forgiveness for this act of killing? Because Shmuel responds, the, the ghost of Shmuel responds to Shaul, I have bad news. The bad news is that tomorrow you're going to be killed by the Plishtim, but you and your son will be with me You'll be with me in Olam Haba. So the bad news is that you're going to be killed. In fact, that's what happened. But the good news is that you'll be with me in Shemayim, meaning Olam Haba, that Hashem forgave you. Obviously, if someone killed the entire city of, of Kohanim and they were not forgiven, they would not get Olam Haba. So here again, we see that anyone who has remorse and embarrassment is forgiven from Hashem. They were a chacham, say a different pasuk, Rabbanon Ami Mehacha, they see it a different place, because later on, there's another story where the, um, the Givonim were people who tricked um, um, Yoshua into making a treaty, even though they said they come from far away, really they were from the next town over, and they tricked him, and he eventually made, said that you guys will be all the, uh, the uh, you'll bear the water, you'll be the, the schleppers for Bnei Israel. And when he went ahead and he killed the heir Kohanim, all of the people who served the heir Kohanim now were now out of a job. And so eventually, the, the given when David HaMelech had three years of famine, and he asked the Kaddish Baruch Hu, he said, Kaddish Baruch Hu, what's going on? Why am I getting three years of famine? He was told because it's of the Givonim. They have no more water. They have no more bread because all the Kohanim, who they were Mishares, who they were served and paid them, were all killed by, by Shaul. So Davon HaMelech, wanting to end this famine, went to the Givonim and said, what can I do to go ahead and end this famine? And he said, give us seven of Shaul's children and we will hang them. In order for you to go ahead and get rid of this famine, we want exact punishment and retribution for Shaul killing all the people, the Kohanim, who used to go ahead and support us. So give us seven of his children, we will kill them, and then the famine will dissipate, and that's what happened. So the Pasuk says, And eventually it says that Shaul was the Bechir Hashem, and the fact that Shaul was referred to as the choice of Hashem shows that he attained forgiveness. So we have multiple examples where we see that if someone goes ahead and feels bad for what he did, he achieves forgiveness from Hashem. Okay, next. Gemara continues. I'm sorry? 
not from the Kohanim. Unfortunately, the Kohanim were all killed. Um, the Kohanim were not in a position to go ahead and give, uh, to give uh, Mechila and Kapara. But uh, those people that, that they supported, the Givonim, uh, they went ahead and exacted retribution. Amar Bivyoban Zutarti. Amar Bivyoban This is very interesting. Bar Zvida. Parshas Balak Bekriyashma. The Chachamim, when they instituted Kriyashma, they wanted to put the entire Parshas Balak. Balak is not a short Parsha, probably about 100 Psukim at least. And instead of Parsha Tzitzis, the third Parsha, they wanted to institute that we should say, instead of uh, Parsha Tzitzis, they wanted us to say Parsha's Balak. Now, what would be the Havamina? The only reason that the Gemara says that they didn't say Parsha's Balak as the third Parsha of Kriyashma is because it'd be too long. Imagine saying the first two Parsha of Kriyashma, and then you have certain uh, people have to get to work, and now you have to say the entire Parsha every morning and every night. It's too much to say 130 psukim every morning, every night. It would not be feasible. So Mishum Torah because it would be too burdensome on the Oilam to go ahead and say Parshas Balak every day, twice a day, they didn't do it. Now that's going to say, the Gemara is going to ask, what exactly was the Havimina? Why would I even have thought to go ahead and include Parshas Balak? So the Gemara continues, my time, uh, what was the reason I would have thought that we can go ahead and institute Parshas Balak? In place of the parsha tzitzis, if you'll say the reason is it says that Hashem in that parsha it says Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim, and it mentions zechiras yitzias Mitzrayim, it mentions yitzias Mitzrayim, which we in fact mention in parsha tzitzis. The Gemara says there are other psukim that are much shorter than that, and we, that mention that refer and allude to yitzias Mitzrayim. We don't necessarily have to include a hundred psukim of parshas Balak. It says, Lema Parshas Ribis U Parshas Mishkalos. By the Isser to go ahead and, sh- and charge interest on a fellow Jew, it also mentions Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. And when we have to have adjust, adjust our weights so that we don't um, overprice anything, we don't uh, charge people falsely for elevated weights or higher weights, it also says, Parshas Mishkalos Tachsev by Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Both of those psukim, those Isurim, which are one or two psukim, also included C.S. Mitzrayim. So it can't be that the only reason they wanted to... What? Oh. Tell me when we're good. We're back. Okay, we're back. So it can't be that the only reason they wanted to institute Parshas Bala because the reference is C.S. Mitzrayim, we have Psukim in other places, whether it's correct weights or not charging ribis, which also mentions C.S. Mitzrayim. So the Gemara says as follows. This is interesting. The following pasuk is the clincher. It says, It says in Parshas Balak, He crouched and lay down like a lion, like a lion cub who can stand him up. Meaning, referring to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and therefore, it says, Shchiva and Kima. It says, going to sleep and waking up. And since it has both the mentioning of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, and it references B'Shach B'Chav Kumecha, that's mentioned in the first two parshios of Kriyashma, that was the reason why the Chachamim at least had a Havamina to go ahead and say, include this parsha. Again, it has Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, but it also has a Pasuk that has laying down and waking up, which we've discussed many, many times about the Chiyav of Kriyashma on morning and night, and maybe it's a com- combination of these two allusions or references that warranted such a Havamina. The Gemara says, 
Okay, so I understand that you can't include the entire parsha. Why not just include these couple psukim, the pasuk of Kel Motiyam Mitzrayim, and this pasuk of Kara Shachav that mentions both? So the Mark gives a very, very famous uh, statement, and we're going to have a little tangent uh, on this discussion and uh, discuss this a little further now. The Gemara says, you cannot go ahead and just mention these two psukim. Why? The Gemara says, Gemiri, we learned, called Parsha de Pascha Moshe Rabbeinu Paskinon. The low Pascha Moshe Rabbeinu, low Paskinon. When it comes to a Parsha, we have the ability to recite only a Parsha in its completion, meaning whatever Moshe constituted as a Parsha, we, have, we can say that Parsha. We can't break it up into smaller parts. If Moshe did not break it up into smaller parts, we cannot. And therefore, since the Parsha is Parsha's Balak in its entirety, who are we to go ahead and break it up and only mention two psukim? This is actually a very, very well-known concept and has a lot of practical ramifications. So this concept of what's called Parsha, and there's also an area that's called Kopsuka, any Pasuk that Moshe did not go ahead and speak, say, we cannot say, meaning you cannot divide a Pasuk in half. For example... So the Gemara that we just discussed, called Parsha, Paske Moshe, Lopaskinon, any Parsha that Moshe did not say, we can't say, meaning if he said an entire Parsha, we can't break that up into four or five psukim. There's a Gemara in Tainis, Tafchav Zayin, that discusses the following problem. There were the Mishmaros, there were certain Kokohanim who were in the, in the, um, in the base of Miklash on the outside, and they would read psukim every day of the week. And on one of the days of the week, they had five psukim, they had eight psukim to read. And there's the beginning of Bracious. This was on Sunday. Can you hear me, Steve? Yeah. Okay. And what happened was that the, we know that each Ola, anyone who gets a, an Aliyah, cannot get an Aliyah for less than three psukim, right? Three psukim. So psukim, Vav Zayin Ches, the third person got. The question was, there were only five psukim for the first two Aliyahs. So how would you go ahead and divide five for all those uh, mathematicians out there? Five is not divisible by two, at least not to get to three. Meaning, if you have a minimum of three psukim, five will not suffice. So how did they go ahead and divide these five psukim amongst two people, two kohanim, if each kohen has to get an aliyah at least for three psukim? So there's a machlokas there between Rav and Shmuel. Rav says, doleg. Rav says, you repeat the third pasuk. So the first person reads Pasuk 1, 2, and 3, and the second Kohen gets, repeats Pasuk 3, and also reads Pasukim 4 and 5. Shmuel, however, says, Paskinon, you read a half a Pasuk. All he requires is into the third Pasuk. So you read two and a half Pasukim for the first Kohen, and the second Kohen reads half of Pasuk 3, 4, and 5. Each one reads two and a half. The problem is, that we have this concept of kopsukat lopaske Moshe, not only do you not read a parsha, you also don't read a pasuk. So the Gemara says, what's the reason why Rav doesn't say like Shmuel? Why does Rav say you have to repeat pasuk number three? So the first Kohen reads one, two, and three, and the second Kohen reads three, four, and five, because he holds, if just like by our Gemara here today, we said any parsha that Moshe didn't say, we can't say, Similarly, he holds that any Pasuk that Moshe didn't say, we can't say. Meaning, if Moshe didn't divide a Pasuk in half, we can't divide a Pasuk in half. Okay, so that's the Gemara in Tainus. We're going to see it has a lot of practical ramifications for how we make Kiddush today. We'll get to that in a second. But the truth is, even according to Rav, who says that you repeat the Pasuk and you don't divide the Pasuk, so that 
his answer is okay, meaning that he doesn't divide a Pasuk, but we still have the question from our Gemara. How could we in general only read three, par- three, par- three Pesukim? What about the concept of Moshe? We have to read in a whole Parsha in its entirety. You're not able to break up a Parsha. So for this, the Turi Evan, who was the Shagas Aryeh, says a very, very well-known and very famous answer in Gemara Rosh Hashanah, and he says as follows. The only time one would violate this principle of not, re- not stating a, parsha, a partial Parsha or a partial Pasuk is if you do not have intention to go ahead and finish it. But if you have the intention to go ahead and finish it, even at a later time, but it's in the plans, it's in the book, it's on your calendar, that's okay. For example, that's how he says we can read only an Aliyah on Mondays and Thursdays or Shabbos Mincha. Because we know that when Shabbos comes, we will go ahead and read the entire Parsha. But that doesn't give us an excuse to divide a Pasuk in half. You can never divide a Pasuk in half. You can, though, divide a Parsha in half if the intention is to go ahead and complete that Parsha at a later time. With that, we're going to answer a few of the following questions. Friday night, this is very, very practical. So everyone, this is going to apply to everyone. Friday night, we start Kiddush, Vahi Er, Vahi Boker, Yom HaShishi. So the truth is, this is in the middle of the Pasuk. The Pasuk starts, Vayar Elohim es kol asher asa tov ma'od, Vayar Vayboker, Yom HaShishi. The truth is, the Pasuk starts off in Bracious, Perak Aleph, Pasuk Laman Aleph. It says, Hashem saw that everything was good. It was, Vayar Vayboker, Yom HaShishi. Now, how do we start how are we able to start in the middle of the Pasuk? So, the Chassam Sofer actually justifies our Minog, and he says that the truth is people really want to start Kiddush with Vayi Erev Boker. Why? If you take the first letters of Vayihi Erev, Vayi Boker, Yom HaShishi, it spells, I'm sorry, Vayi Erev, Vayi Boker, those four letters spells Yudke Vavke. So we all really want to start Shabbos by mentioning Hashem's name. But it has really no context. Sorry. Vayiboka Yom HaShishi. Yeah, Yudke Vavke. So the truth is, you really want to start that Yom HaShishi Vayichulu HaShemayim. I'm backtrack a second. I'm mixing up the Sukkim. If we want to start Yom HaShishi Vayichulu HaShemayim, that is Yudke Vavke. So that's how we really want to start. But you need context to, to, to say that. So therefore, you start the words Vayiboka before you start Yom HaShishi Vayichulu HaShemayim. Why don't we say the first, the beginning of the Pasuk, because Chazal say, brought down by the Ramban, the Midrash says, Tov Ma'od refers to Maves, refers to death. And you don't want to start Shabbos by mentioning Maves. So really, we'd want to start Yom HaShishi Vayichulu HaShemayim, Yud Vavke, Yom HaShishi Vayichulu HaShemayim. To give context, we start in the middle of the Pasuk. So the Chassam Sofer justifies our Minak. But again, the question arises, how are we able to do this if it's starting in the middle of a Pasuk? In fact, Rabbi Sachs, my Rebbe, actually starts Kiddush with Vayar Lakim Eskola Sher Asa Tov Ma'od. He starts at the beginning of the Pasuk, so you do not violate this Kopsukat, Lopaski Moshe Bein, that we don't start in the middle of a Pasuk. So there's some thought to actually say the whole Pasuk based on this concept. The Chassam Sofer justifies it because, after all, after all, um, you don't really want to mention Misa, and the word Tov Ma'od, by the Medrash says, refers to Misa, and that's not a way to start Shabbos. So there is a reason to go ahead and not say the whole Pasuk, but certainly there are those people who say the whole Pasuk. Similarly, on Shabbos day at Kiddush, the Mishnah Brewer states that one should really not start with Al-Kain Beirach. 
Akim Beirach is the middle of a Pasuk. It says, Kisheshis Yomim, in the Aseris Sadibros in Parshas Yisro, it says, Kisheshis Yomim, Asa Hashem, Esa Shemaim, Esa Aretz. In six days, Hashem made the Shemaim and the Aretz. Es Hayom, Es Kol Hashem. The seas and everything in it, Vayonach, Vayam Hashvi, you rest on the seventh day. Alkin Beirach, Asim Hashem, Es Vekasheo. But really, the Mishnah Baruch says, when you start Kiddush, Akin Beirach, you're violating this principle, that you're dividing a Pasuk in half, and you're not supposed to do that. So the truth is that the Arach HaSholchan was lenient in this regard, and the Maram Shik also was one of the major poskim, also thought that this Minag is okay, since the truth is, the only time we violate Kopsuka, the, the Lo Paskim HaSharbein, on Lo Paskinon, any Pasuk that Moshe did not divide in half, we cannot divide in half, is only when you have, in the context of quoting a Pasuk. But here, when you say Al-Kain Beirach, the real thing is just the bracha of Bar Piyagafen, you're really just notifying and alerting everyone, alerting everyone to keep quiet, to pay attention, to be Yotzi with your Kiddush. You're not actually saying the Pasuk of Al-Kain Beirach with the intent of just quoting half a Pasuk. It's really there to go ahead and to alert everyone to keep cup, to pay attention so that you're Yotzi with the Kiddush. But again, it's important to know that the Mishnah Brewer says one should not do that. And there are certainly those also Friday night who say, don't start from Yom HaShishi, you should say the whole Pasuk. And one last practical, there are many practical applications. One last one is the Chai Adam, <coughs> who mentions that when one is laning and preparing the, the Kriya Satora, it's, it's ideal that one should not stop in the middle of a Pasuk. Always better to say the whole Pasuk, because again, you're violating this, uh, this uh, Halacha, when you only do one pasuk, when you only say half a pasuk, okay. Back in. Any questions on that? Everyone good? Okay. Alan, no questions. Kiddish. Uh, well, we do it I figured that's why. Okay. All right. Next, the Gemara continues. Parshat sitzis with Kavua. So why did we go ahead and? Oh, actually. Before I get there, let me, uh, one other question, and this is an important question. Even with all of this, why would the Chachamim go ahead and think you have to institute Parshas Balak? This is the question of the, of the Pnei Yoshua. He says, okay, granted, even with the Psukim, I still don't really understand why they made it a requirement to mention it every day. So the Pnei Yoshua says there is a Pasuk in Sefer Micha that says as follows. It says... Ami Zecharna, my nation, says Micha, remember my Ya'atz Balak Melech Moav, what Melech Moav advised, Uma'ana also Bilam ben Bor, and what he was advised by Bilam. There's actually a Pasuk in Sefer Micha that requires us to go ahead and remember what Balak and Bilam did. As an aside note, the Chsam Sofer says something amazing here. He says the story of Balak and Bilam, if everyone remembers, Balak was the Melech Moab, and he summoned Bilam to go ahead and curse B'nai Israel. Hashem doesn't allow him. He says, "You only what I say, you'll say." And he eventually winds up blessing B'nai Israel. This is the only story throughout the entire Sefer Torah that is completely external to B'nai Israel. It does not involve B'nai Israel. It involves Goyim who are trying to curse B'nai Israel. Says the Chassam Sofer two things. This is the ultimate proof that this was written by Hakadosh Baruch Hu. How would we know that the Torah was written by a Kaddish Baruch for all those who go ahead and try to uh, refute uh, the authenticity uh, of, the, of Torah Misenai? How would we know, how would a human being know 
what was in the minds of two Nachrim, of two non-Jews. The whole story is external to B'nai Israel. It doesn't involve any Jews. And yet we know the, everything that goes on. Plus he says how much we have to be thankful for Kaddish Baruch Hu. How many plots and nefarious schemes are there on a daily basis? Rahman al-Tzlam, we see it today much more. But how many of these were transpired uh, uh, throughout history and we didn't know how many times Hashem saved us? He gave us insight into this one episode of Balak and Bilam. But how many times has this gone on where people tried to go ahead and, and, and destroy us and we're not necessarily privy to it? Right? We just said in Pesach, There's always another Hitler Yemach Shemo, there's always another Haman Yemach Shemo, there's always another Stalin, there's always people trying to kill us. Here, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us a little insight into what goes on on a daily basis. So the Chassam Sofer says, in that respect, Parshas Balak is critical to proving the authoritativeness and the authenticity of the Torah. But in any event, we see from Micha that there's actually an obligation for us to go ahead and remember. Zuchar na ma'yatz Balak melech moav. So in a, as a standalone, it may be difficult to understand why we'd have to say um, uh, Parshas Balak. But if, in this context, with this imperative by Micha to remember, and now that there's a connection to, to Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim and getting up and sleeping, maybe we can understand now why there was a uh, thought to go ahead and include that in, in Kriya Shema. At the end of the Siddur, if, for those who say it, there are Sheis Tzachiros mentioned at the end of the Siddur. One is the Mantisko, Yom Mitzrayim, Koyim Mechiyach, we have to remember Mitzrayim, we have to remember what happened at Chorev, we have to remember Amalek. We have to remember what happened when Hashem got angry in the Midbar. We have to remember Shabbos. And the sixth one is Zohor Esa Miriam We should remember what Hashem did to Miriam. Even though it's not really part of this Gemara, I wanted to discuss that because it's often overlooked. And for those of us, I say it, I myself say it every day, but for those of us who say the six Zechiros, what exactly was this Chiyuv that we're obligated to remember what happened to Miriam? So I want to just discuss for a couple minutes <coughs> this Zechira, this commandment, obligation to remember what happened to, um, to uh, uh, Miriam when she spoke Lashon Hara. So the Pasuk says um, that we are obligated to remember <coughs> what Hashem did to Miriam. The Pasuk says, In Balos Chay Shomar Saras, be careful about the Negat Saras. Saras, as we know, was leprosy, not really leprosy today. <clears throat> it was, it's not leprosy. It was a certain uh, plague that affected the skin. Um, and it says, Hishomar B'Negat Saras, Go ahead and prevent it. Make sure you don't get it. And uh, And go ahead and listen to the Kohanim. This is actually, according to many, the imperative and the warning not to say Lashon Hara. Okay, now, interesting to note that the Ramban actually counts this, and then it says the next Pasuk, right after you're warned to, war- to be careful about um, getting, uh, contracting Saras, he says, Remember what Miriam, what happened to Miriam that she got Saras. The Ramban, the Ramban, Nachmanides says, this is a mitzvah assay to remember, to remember what Hashem did. And he says as follows. You know why it's, it's a requirement? Because we know that there's an Isra Lashon Hara. And it says, he shomer, it says to warn. He says, this is the warning that we're not allowed to say 
to, not allowed to say Lashon Hara. According to me, says the Ramban, this is a mitzvah min Torah. And he says, we discussed multiple times in the past, if you remember, it says by Amalek, it says, Zachor, Esa, Shera, Salacha, Amalek. And it also says at the end, Lo Tishkach, don't forget. So the Gemara in Megillah Daf Yudches says, how do I remember? How do I? It already says, don't, for, don't forget, Lo Tishkach. So it says, it must be, Shetei Shona B'Fichad. You actually have to articulate and verbalize. Because Lo Tishkach, at the end of Parsha Samalek, it says, don't forget. So if I don't forget, by definition, I'm remembering. So why would it say Zachar, so the Gemara in Megillah, and brought down in the Sifri, <coughs> in Parshas Baloscha, it says, it must be that, Shetei Shona B'Fichad. When it says Zachar, you must articulate. Which is, in fact, why, why Tosfos says, we read Parsha Samalek, in Tosos, in Brachos, Tafyud Gimel, Tosos says, that is the Kiyom Minatora. When we read Parsha Zachor, that is the Kiyom Minatora of Zachor Es Ashela Sadcha Amalek. Similarly, by Shabbos, it says Zachor, and it also says Shomor. Shomor means you have to keep all the losases, all the negative commandments. If I'm remembering Shabbos to keep all the le- negative commandments, by definition, if I'm safeguarding the Shabbos, that means I'm remembering the Shabbos. So Zohar can't simply mean remember, because it already says Shomor. So what is Zohar? That you have to articulate, verbalize, uh, and, and say with words that the Kedusha of Shabbos has arrived. Similarly, says the Ramban by Miriam. It says, Hishomer, guard yourself against. If you're guarding yourself against Lashon Hara, and you're remembering the next Pasuk says, Zohar, again, Hishomer, Zohar and Shamor. If Hishomer means you're guarding yourself against Lashonar, it means you're already remembering what the punishment was. So if remembering a punishment, and now it says Zohar, it must be something else, it means you must articulate it with words. It's very, very interesting. I was by my friend on Sunday, and I found the Mishnah, the Siddur, Mishnah Siavets. I'm going to read to you. The Mishnah Siavets was the Siddur of Rav Yaakov Emden. He actually brings, he actually brings at the end of his, um, at the end of his sitter, this, I'm going to read this to you, it's amazing. He actually says, if I can find it here, um, that the ninth, the, he brings the name of the Chida, that there are nine, there are actually ten Zechronos, Zechiros, to say every day. And the ninth one is actually, um, ninth one is actually Balak. The ninth one is Balak, because he brings this Pasuk of Mayoatz Hashem, and from Micha. So he holds that Balak is the ninth one. And then interestingly, he says the tenth one is the, he brings ten, not six. And the tenth one is Yerushalayim. That you have to remember Yerushalayim, um, so the, the Mishnah Siavets, Rav Yaakov Emden, his sitter brings ten, and the ninth is the Balak, and tenth is Yerushalayim. But getting back to this, we see here that there's a mitzvah every single day to go ahead and to remember what happened to Miriam. According to the Ram, Ramban, it's a mitzvah asay min Torah. The Rambam does not count it in one of his mitzvahs. And clearly he alludes to it by, the Rambam does make mention of this tzaras when it comes to, um, when he mentions it by um, tzaras, that you don't get tzaras, he, me- Hari, he mentions this pasuk, clearly holds it's a mitzvah min Torah, but many achronim say that he holds it belongs in the mitzvah of lo seichel rochel barmecha. Don't gossip. You don't need a separate mitzvah of, of to remember Miriam if it's in the concept of rechilos. So clearly, <clears throat> there are multiple 
obligations to remember every day, at least to say Zechiras, we mentioned Amalek, Shabbos, now we're also mentioning Zechiras, Yitzias, Mitzrayim, in the context of Balak, of, of the Parshas of Balak, which the Mishnah Siavets brings down. There's also a mitzvah to remember Miriam. <clears throat> and interestingly, why don't we actually have a mitzvah to read the Parsha? Why is there no, we have a mitzvah to read the Parsha of Amalek? Why don't we have a mitzvah to read the Parsha of, of Miriam? And for this, the Ma'aril says, because it doesn't say, it says, Zachor and Losishkach, the Gemara brings down only by Parsha Samalek. So only by Amalek do we actually have a, mish, that a mitzvah to read it from the Torah. Everything else we could articulate it. According to some, it's just a mitzvah and a mufkar. It's a hitter mitzvah to go ahead and mention this every day. But be, at, <clears throat> be that as it may, there's certainly a, a reason to go ahead and have a havamina at least to include Parsha's Balak based on the Pasuk of Micha with the connections to, uh, to uh, Kriya Shema, whether it be getting up and going to sleep, as well as Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Okay, it is 9 o'clock in New York. I think we're in the same time zone. So I think it's 9 o'clock in Florida. Mitzvah Hashem on Thursday will pick up with the, uh, and get to the Mishnah. Have a fantastic day, everybody. Thank you, thank you Steve.